So they say when you pray, God answers one of three ways. He says yes, he says no, or he says wait. But there actually is a fourth response that God has to prayer. And this re fourth response to prayer is not a good response. And that response is that I am not listening to the words that you are saying. So what is it that keeps our prayers from being heard? Uh, what is it that we need to do in order to, to help God to listen to the prayers that we pray, that he would want to give us an answer? But we're going to be looking at that today in the hindrances and the helps to our prayers. So we're going to look at what not to do to have God hear your, word, your, your prayer. And they're going to look at what do you do if you want God to listen to the prayers that you pray. So we're going to be looking at some uh, various passages of Scripture this morning. Proverbs 28, 9 says, If anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, even his prayers are detestable. You know, uh, have you ever been ignored? No, I think we've all experienced that. I know if you're a parent, you've been ignored. Now, we know that sometimes a kid's going to ignore a mom and dad because they actually, they really didn't hear. They're so busy doing their project or playing with their toys that they didn't, they legitimately could not hear what mom and dad were saying. But we already know too that sometimes that kid does not want to come when mom and dad call him. And so he's going to pretend that he did not hear and he's not going to obey when mom says, hey, it's bedtime, better clean up. It's bath time, you better put that stuff away. They're going to choose to ignore what mom and dad say. And that's kind of what we see here. It says anyone who's turning a deaf ear to the law. This is, Solomon's writing this word, or this, these words. And the idea behind this is somebody who's, who, who hears or, but is choosing not to obey. You know, uh, back in the Bible times, the, the ear, the tongue, this was the main form of communication. I would speak to you, and that's how you would get your information. You didn't, everybody did not have a Bible. They did not have a scroll. They couldn't get online and look up what they needed to know. So they had to hear it being spoken to them. And it was a choice that people had to make. Am I going to, am I go, actually going to pay attention to what's being said? And when I hear it, am I actually going to do it? It's a conscious decision uh, through the scriptures that they had, that they were being taught. And we have 66 books of the Bible that we have the opportunity to either obey or turn a deaf ear to. And, it, <clears throat> you know, there, and a lot of people do this. They choose to disobey what they see in scripture. They choose to disobey what they hear on the radio or what they hear from the pulpit because they don't like it. You know, for example, some people hear that they are supposed to forgive somebody who has offended them. That's real easy to say, isn't it? But that is really hard to do sometimes. But if I, if I hear this word, I'm supposed to forgive my enemies or somebody who has offended me, but if I choose not to do that, I'm making that conscious decision that I am not going to forgive them, then I am turning a deaf ear to the law, to the scriptures. <clears throat> if I am in a relationship, <clears throat> an inappropriate relationship that does not honor God, such as I am a saved person, having a relationship with an unsaved person, I'm trying to date this person to marry this person, I'm trying to yoke with this person, I'm going against what the scriptures say. I'm turning a deaf ear to what the Bible says. Because the Bible says, do not be yoked 
with unbelievers. Now, there's something pretty popular out there where it's called uh, dating evangelism. This is where people say, I'm just going to date this person and I might marry this person, but I'm going to lead them to the Lord. You know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite them to church and we're gonna, I'm going to marry them and eventually they're going to be led to the Lord. That's a, a really nice thought, but that's not, that's not biblical. It says, do not be yoked, do not be united with the unbeliever. Chances are that person is not going to get saved. Chances are that person who's walking with the Lord is going to be led that way. So if you want to, uh, I, I don't encourage you to try that. That is turning a deaf ear to the law. Some people, they speak gossip like it's their native tongue. They, they just hear it, and they just have to say it. And when you have that prompting from the Holy Spirit, and you know what Scripture says, but you don't let that stop you, you're turning a deaf ear to the law. And if you do that, your prayers, your talking to God, is detestable. In the King James, it says it's an abomination. It's a cause of horror and disgust. God is not interested in listening to that prayer. This is not a, an accidental thing. This is something that I am choosing, a decision that I'm choosing to make. So, if you want to pray, but you don't want God to really listen to your prayers, you don't want God to answer your prayers, all you have to do is ignore God. Ignore the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Ignore what Scripture says and do not put it into practice and I guarantee you, God is not going to listen to your prayers. Number two, if you don't want God to listen to your prayers, Psalm 66 verse 18 says, Cherish sin in your heart. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. This, this verse comes from Psalm 66 that talks a lot about uh, the author, is, uh, the, the guy who, who wrote this psalm, is talking to God. Praising God. He is, he's talking about God. He's, he's encouraging people to, other people to praise God. And he talks about being obedient to God. But he says, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. He, he would have plugged his ears. He would have ignored the words that I had to say. To cherish sin in my heart, in the King James says, to regard. That means to see, to behold, to look and say, yep. I know that sin is there. You know, I might have it tucked away and I don't show people and I don't tell people, but I know that sin is there and I'm not going to do anything about it. I love that sin. I, I enjoy that sin. I'm not going to refuse it. I'm not going to abandon that sin. That's to cherish that sin. It's entertaining these thoughts in my mind. How can I get away with that again? I enjoyed that sin. It made me feel good. It satisfied something inside of me. That is cherishing the sin in your life. And if you do that, God's not going to listen. In the book of Jeremiah, uh, it's, it's very, all throughout the whole book, Jeremiah the prophet is speaking God's word to the people and trying to convince them to turn away from their wicked ways. And those people refuse to do it. They get warning after warning after warning before finally, at the end of the book, they finally get their punishment, which is being taken over by Babylon and hauled off to Babylon. Early in the book, Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 11 and 12, it says, Therefore, this is what the Lord says, I will bring on them a disaster they cannot escape. Although they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. 
Why? Because these people are trying to worship and follow other gods at the same time. They were supposed to worship the one true God and serve Him only. But they said, I want my God and I want my idols too. Verse 12 says, The towns of Judah and the people of Jerusalem will go and cry out to the gods to whom they burn incense, but they will not help them at all when the disaster strikes. That was their problem. They said, I want my God to rescue me. I want my God to bring the rain and the, the produce to, to make my life good. But I also want these other gods. And because they cherished that sin, they knew that was wrong. Jeremiah told them, but they refused to turn from their ways. And the Lord says, I am not listening to the prayers that you pray. So if you want to waste your time praying, you want to talk to God, but you don't want God to really answer, then just ignore God. You, you read his word, but don't do it. Or just ignore it completely. Or when the Holy Spirit's prompting, you just tune that out. God's not going to listen. Ignore God. He'll ignore you. Cherish sin in your heart. Have that sin stashed away. Do it over and over again. Don't just keep it with you. Make it a part of you. Love that. Enjoy that sin. And God's not going to listen to the prayers that you pray. Number three, James chapter one, verse six says, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Now, this is a pretty famous part of scriptures. It talks about uh, if, if you lack wisdom, you're supposed to ask God. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. In context, in context, uh, James is talking about uh, facing trials of many kinds. And if you, if you need wisdom, and how do I get through these trials? How do I handle them appropriately? What do I do in these situations? You need to ask for, in wisdom to have faith. Or have faith, you need to ask for wisdom. But you cannot but doubt, you have to believe. If you doubt, you're, you're like a man who's conflicted inside himself. I should go this way. No, I should do this thing. And you go back and forth, back and forth, because you don't know really what to do. And, and this is what uh, people, people do this. And they go back and forth just like a boat on the waves. The, uh, the water that's unsteady, it's unstable. You're just going every which direction because you are doubting. Now you might say, I, I doubt, Josh. I don't, what do I do about this? I don't want to doubt. I don't know how to believe. Well, in Mark chapter 9, verses 23 through uh, 25, there was a man who was trying to get Jesus' disciples to cast this demon out of his son. And they couldn't do it. And so he goes and talks to Jesus about this. He talks to Jesus about what this, what this demon does to his son, how he throws him into the fire and, and the, into the water to try to kill him. And he says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus says, if I can... Uh, everything is possible for him who believes. And this, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. As much as I can, I do believe. Please help me overcome my belief. So if you say, I am that guy doubting that God's going to answer this prayer. I'm that guy doubting that God's going to uh, give me wisdom that I need. Ask, tell God that and ask him to help you to have the faith that he would help you to believe. But if you don't want God to answer then just doubt he's going to give you an answer. So, so far, 
You want to pray. You don't want God to answer. You don't want to hear anything from God. Just ignore him. Yeah, it's not really that big a deal. You know, just that's your, it's your choice. I'm going to do my thing. You do your thing. Uh, number two is you just cherish that sin in your heart. You love it. You keep it. You plan out how to do this again. Well, you, you know how to do that if you really want to. It's not that hard to figure out how to still get away with sin in the future. And the more you do it, the easier it gets to do that. And number three, just doubt that God's going to give you an answer. You know, God's not interested in giving you an answer if you're not interested in believing that he's going to give you that answer. And I realize doubt is a natural thing a lot of times. We don't know what God's going to do. He didn't promise us he's going to make our lives perfect. He didn't promise he's going to make things turn out the way we want. But if you don't want to hear from God, just doubt it that he's going to give you the answer that you are going to need. Number four, in James chapter four, verse three, it says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Hebrews or James chapter four, verse three, your own pleasures means your own gratification. It means in the King James, it says your lusts, the things that you want only for yourself, for your own enjoyment. You know, this isn't the kind of, God, I, I have this need in my life. I really do need my, my new tires for my car. I really do need safety getting to work. This is like, I am only about me. I have these, these, these human uh, carnal appetites that I want satisfied. God, give me those. You know, we've already talked about recently how people look at life as a genie in a bottle. I mean, like uh, their prayer life is I just go and talk to God and say, give me this. This is what I want. This is going to make me happy. And that's a lot of ways people come to God and they, they're they just looking out for themselves. This is what I want. This is good for me. So God, give this to me. This is very selfish, all about me kind of prayer. It's very selfish. God's not interested and answering that kind of prayer. He'd he just rather not hear that. So if you, want, if you want to pray and you want to waste your time, ignore God because he's going to ignore you. Cherish that sin in your life. Doubt that God's really going to give you an answer and have selfish motives. I guarantee you, you will hear nothing out of God in response to the prayers that you are praying. You will hear from God as what you're doing is wrong but you're not going to get the answer from God that you're looking for if you are going to live your life this way. Now, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that everybody who's listening to this would really like to have their prayers answered. We are human. God is God. He's the one who is omniscient, omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's caring. He's the only one who can really take care of the needs that we have. And so we want our prayers answered. So I want to encourage you to pay attention to this part. If you, if you want to pray and you want God to respond to the prayers that you pray, then please, please listen up. Here, we're going, to, we're going to go through the helps of prayer. Proverbs 15, verse 8 says, The Lord detests the sacrifices of the wicked, but their prayer of the upright pleases him. Now, if you look at this verse, you look and say, you know what? Sacrifices... It's a sacrifice. I'm giving up something. I am doing something. What is a prayer? You're just talking to God. You're not actually, I mean, you might give up a little time, 
You know, some people fast while they pray so they might give up food, but you're not giving, you know, think of the Bible times. They're giving up a goat. They're giving up a ram or a bull, something that they could breed, something that they could eat, something that they could count as wealth. And the wicked are willing to go through the emotions, but they're not pleasing the Lord because he's not interested in burnt offerings and sacrifices. He doesn't eat those things. He wants us to have a right relationship with him. He says the prayer of the upright pleases him. The upright, that is those who live in an ethical right in an ethical or emotional sense agreeable or pleasing this is living right in god's eyes when god looks down from heaven and he sees you living your life and you are honoring him you are doing your level best to to do what his word says even though you're not perfect at it god looks at you and says you are living an upright life you're doing what he says but you're doing what's right also in man's eyes, not man's opinions, because that's going to vary. You know, this person's going to say this, this person's going to say that, and I'm not trying to live my life according to man's standards. I'm living my life according to God's standards and in man's eyes. So they see that I'm living by God's word, even though they don't like it, even though they don't agree with it. They say, Josh is somebody who's living by what the scripture is that he's reading. That's living an upright life. And like I said, we are not going to be perfect at this. I am not going to be perfect in the way I live my life, no matter how hard I try. But that is my goal, to be holy as he is holy, to live a life worthy of the gospel that I have received, to be perfect as he is perfect. That is my goal. Just like when we talked about kids shooting free throws, right? We know they're not going to make every single free throw, but that's their goal. To make every single free throw. We know you're not going to get 100% on every test you're going to take, but that is your goal. You know, Caleb, he, he didn't get to go to Billings for his, or made out to Bozeman for his billing B. I was really hoping he would. Uh, he spent the last three weeks studying at least a half an hour every day. I was very proud of him. He had 196 words, some I couldn't pronounce, some I couldn't spell. Uh, and he, he worked on this, and he worked on this. He tried as hard as he could to, to do this. And you know what? We had, we had kind of our own fun spelling test at home. Caleb got a 94%. Pretty impressive, right, for some of these words. He did really, really well. But he studied for three weeks, half hour a day, and he still couldn't do it. He did the best that he could. And so dad said, I'm proud of you, Caleb. His mom said, I'm proud of you, Caleb, for doing as well as you did. Right? Your goal is to be perfect even though you're not going to be perfect. But this is where confession comes in really important. You know, confessing is admitting to God that I did something that I shouldn't do. He already knows, and if I confess it, he's willing to forgive it. But the upright man is a man who, who, who confesses it as quickly as he can and just keeps going and keeps trying to live and please the Lord with the life that he has. So if you're praying and you really want God to answer your prayer, you need to live an upright life. Live a life that's right in God's eyes. It does make a difference. Number two, 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayers. You know, attentive, it makes me think of a parent with a sick child. You know, you're concerned, you're sensitive, you're listening to every wheezing sound, every coughing sound, 
every chest rising, breathing sound, because you care. You're in tune with what your kid is doing. And I, I, this is kind of how I picture God with when we are, when we're praying, God's attentive. He's ready. He's waiting for us to pray. And he's, he cares about the prayers that we are praying. He's caring about the prayers of the righteous man. Righteous is those are those who are living upright. Righteous, virtuous, in accordance with what is right. Hear this definition. These are the people who have conditioned their lives to live by God's standards. All the time. This is my goal is to live by God's standards. Not wishy-washy, not wavering, but you know what? Every single time, my goal is to try to live by God's standards. Then I'm going to live a righteous life. These are people who are children of God and who are trying to show it by their good works. In Romans chapter 2, verse 13, you know, we kind of find the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous even of those who might sit their tails ends in a church on a Sunday morning. It says, For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be considered righteous uh, in His sight. Who's going to be considered righteous? The Lord is attentive to the prayers of those who are trying to put God's word into practice. So you're praying, right? You're praying people. You want God to answer the prayers that you're praying. What do I need to do? Well, I need to live an upright life. I need to live a life that is right in God's eyes. I need to live a righteous life that's in accordance to what the scriptures say. These are going to help God answer your prayers or help you hear God answer your prayers. He still might give you that yes. He might still give you that no. He might still give you that weight. But he is listening and he is attentive and he loves you and he wants to give you that answer. 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, be considered as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as a weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Did you realize that if you have disunity in your home, your prayer life will be hindered? I didn't ever really think about that before until going through this. This, is, this has been a great teaching thing for me personally to realize how much my life I live, how much uh, I deal with the sin in my life affects the prayers that I pray. That I'm not just going through some motion, but I am really in tune with God and I'm trying to live it out in every area of my life is going to impact God's answering my prayers. <clears throat> I need to have harmony in my home. You know, parents, I'm a parent of a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old. You know what I like in my home? I like it when my kids get along. They don't always get along. <laughs> Your kids probably don't always get along either. But we say we want harmony in our home. We want our kids to get along. You know, having being a parent of a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old says, you know what, I want harmony between me and my kids. You know, they're, they're growing up. Uh, Noah's becoming more man. We have more adult conversations. You know, it's, it's that balance of I'm still a kid, but I'm, I'm spreading out my wings, and what freedoms do I have, and, and how, much, how much decisions do I make as a, as a young adult? And we need harmony between parents and kids. But, you know, kids also like harmony. They like harmony between mom and dad. 
There should be harmony in the home between mom and dad. If there's not, you know, here specifically with a, a couple, then there's those prayer, prayer, prayers are going to be hindered. That word hindered means to cut off or to cut out. It's used as cutting down a tree. Is any a tree that does not bear good fruit is going to be cut off. It's going to severed. It's, it's not connected anymore. It's dead. It's, it's doing nothing. Uh, you know, of, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Get rid of it. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's no longer attached to your body. And that's the, it's not getting rid of your body parts, but it's getting rid of those things in your life that caused you to sin. But you get this idea, it's gone. It's not there. And our prayers will be hindered if there's not harmony in our home. That means it's, not, it's, it's detached. It's, it's hitting the ceiling and that's it. It's not making it to heaven. God's not listening to the prayers that we pray. They are hindered. They are affected. They're nothing. You know, uh, even this last Tuesday, you know, we, we started our church-wide prayer meeting at, in our own homes. And we're supposed to gather on the phone with somebody or with a family member or with friends or however. And we go across the street this last week. We went to Jason's house and we prayed with them. You know, when there's a real potential in my house to have disharmony in our home. Uh, it, I was trying to make dinner uh, for the next day. I was just trying to get this roast. No, I think it was stew meat and all this things cut up to stick in this pot. And so I'm not like, I'm not a cook. This is why I'm telling you this. I'm not a cook. This is not my thing. It's kind of stressful, but Caleb wanted a haircut. And so Leslie's trying to give Caleb his haircut. And I'm like looking at the time thinking, I've got to hurry this up. It's 6.25. I'm trying to finish the meal for the next day. Uh, Leslie's giving Caleb a haircut and it's getting stressful. I'm like, we're, we're running out of time. Uh, Caleb's going to need a shower before we go across the street. And we, I want to be over there early so that we could discuss the prayer request. Like, uh, make sure we all have a copy so that we all have know what we're praying about. And it was really an opportunity for me to be a big jerk. To start yelling, to be mad. And even if they stayed home, I could have run across the street and I could have prayed the most eloquent prayer. I could have prayed for everything important. And you know what that would have meant to God? Nothing. It would have been hindered. It would have been broken. It would have done absolutely nothing. Even though I was going to a prayer meeting to pray all sorts of good things, it would have done nothing. Because I was just yelling at my wife and my son, which I didn't do. <laughs> I, I did not do that. We stayed calm, had patience. We went over there and we prayed and it was a great time. And I would encourage you, Tuesdays from 7 to 7.30, Mountain Time. We are praying. Get together with a friend. Get together with a family member and ask God's blessing. Ask God to work in someone's life for the unsaved in your neighborhood to come to know the Lord. For the unsaved, uh, for, for our government officials, right? But make sure that you are, everything is right. This is a very practical way to show love. You know, the, the Bible verse says, love your neighbor as yourself includes your spouse. You know, love your enemy sometimes includes your kids, but you need to do that. Keep that harmony in your home, and that's going to impact the way God answers your prayer, that he is listening to the prayers that you pray. So you want God to answer your prayers, right? You do. Even if it's not the answer that you want, you want to hear from God. You need to live an upright life. You need to live a righteous life, and you need to have harmony in your home. Our fourth one, 
1 John 5, 14 through 15 says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know, most of us, uh, when we pray, we have an idea of what we want, right? We have an idea that I want that promotion. I want safety on the roads. I want someone to get healed. I want, you know, because this is what I see from my little, I feel like as a two-dimensional life, I see what I think is best. But God might have something different in mind. And so we need to ask, not according to what my will is, but according to God's will. And if we ask according to his will, we have confidence. We have free and fearless confidence. We can have cheerful courage, boldness, and assurance that God is listening. Right? I'm asking according to God's will. He is listening. I can be rest assured that the, the words that I say touched God's ears. He could hear the words that I'm speaking. I have no doubt God has heard. If you don't want God to listen to the prayers that you pray, just ignore God. You can, you can waste all the time you want. You can cherish sin in your heart. You know, doubt God's going to answer, have selfish motives, and God is not going to listen to the prayers that you pray. Just be assured of that. He's still going to speak to you. He still uses His Word. He still uses His Holy Spirit. He still uses other people to get involved in your life. But God's not going to listen to the prayers that you pray if you're going to... if if you're going to do one of these four things. But I know you don't want that. I know you don't want your prayers hindered. I know you want your prayers helped. You want God to listen to the prayers that you pray. So here's a recap of that. Live an upright life. Do what is honorable in God's sight. Live righteously. Do what is right in His eyes and what is right in man's eyes according to God's standards. Have harmony in your home and ask according to God's will. And I guarantee you, God's going to listen to the prayers that you pray, and God will answer. It might be a yes, it might be a no, it might be a wait, but God is going to answer. I want to close with James 5, verse 6, James chapter 5, verse 16b, with the thought, the prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. You live that righteous life, and God's going to, he's going to hear your prayers. He's going to be attentive to it. He's going to care about what you have to say, and he's going to answer that according to his will. Live the righteous life, and, and look forward to God's answering every prayers. Let's pray. Dear God, I do thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for what you've taught me this past week studying this out. I know there's um, a lot to this. God, I, how much of how I live my life really does impact uh, the answer to the prayers that you're going to give me. And that you're, how you're going to listen or how you're going to respond to them. And I just thank you, God, that you help me to see this. I pray that, God, each person who hears this message, it would be even clearer to them as well um, what hinders our prayers and what helps our prayers, God. And help us, God, to each person here, each person listening to this, to live uh, righteous lives so that our prayers can be effective as well. I pray for your help. In Jesus' name, amen.